What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Gabriel. What's going on, man? How you doing? I am good. Last week hit me harder than Alistair Overeem, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, it was busy. I had to, fans will probably notice I wasn't even as active on my MMA stuff. It was that kind of week for me. But I'm back. What about you? How's your week been since our last show? Uh, it's been good. I've been eating a lot. I mean, Easter, lots of food. I you know, went to my boy, my fiance's uh, mom's house and then my own family's house and just fully, fully eating at both events. Um, and uh, even today, I think I, I had like a really big lunch. So <laughs> just in case people are wondering about my eating habits, I'm doing a lot of it lately. That sounds uh, but, like a great life right about now. I mean, I ain't mad at it. That's for sure. I had some delicious chicken tacos today. So <laughs> feeling good, living the good life, I guess. Um, and yeah, just, uh, you know, there were definitely fights on, but it you know, nothing that was so compelling to make me watch them live, at least not, you know, not to try to watch all of them live. So it was kind of nice to have a little bit of a break over the weekend. I actually appreciate yeah. that. You know what I found odd is I say I feel like the entire MMA world was still hungover from UFC 236. I agree. That's yeah. the only way I could describe it. I even saw people tweeting is like, is MMA Twitter like on vacation? Like, and what's funny because we were kind of saying we were on a break right leading up to that pay per view. So it's a very weird thing. And we have a very stacked weekend in sports, MMA especially. You have UFC and Bellator going head to head. So it is it is one of those weird times in MMA. I feel like the news kind of went cold at an awkward time that, you know, we're kind of waiting to see like, well, what's going to happen now? Uh, but let's get right into it. Obviously, there were some fights for UFC. They returned to Russia. So I like that they're making it a more regular thing because I think that just the international exposure that's how you discover and find guys like Zabit and others from these other markets outside of the U.S. And that's how they eventually make it to the big pay-per-views that we're, everyone tunes in for. So I like that it's becoming a normal you know, destination on the calendar. And they had a very good heavyweight fight, Alistair Overeem, Alexei Olenek. This one surprised me. I actually thought it was a lot of fun. It was a very good performance by Olenek. He really fought with a great strategy. This one, though, Alistair Overeem, the size, the power, I'll be honest, I did not anticipate the size to be so much of a factor for him, but it clearly played a big factor. He did a lot of damage when he connected. The knees were, uh, were money for him that entire fight. And when he finally connected on one, that was a wrap. What were your thoughts? Yeah, the knees are definitely the, the story of the fight. Um, and yeah, we were both wrong. I think I think we're both wrong. I yep. think you picked him too. Yeah, I did. I picked Olenek. Uh, my picks for the last two weeks have been terrible. Like, I don't even want to put them out anymore because it's just <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, but I'll still keep doing it. I don't mind shaming myself. Um, hey, yeah, Olen- you just need a few more reps on MMA daily and they'll be magic. Yeah, that's right. That's it, man. Reps. 
Um, I, you know, at the beginning, Olenek went for a takedown immediately, and I was like, okay, here we go. This is what we talked about. He's going to get him with a choke or something, but you talk about strength, and that's exactly the factor there. Overeem back to his feet. Olenek did a, did a good job of, uh, you know, hitting Overeem with body shots, holding him against the cage. I did think with those excessive, uh, successive body shots that he was going to going to wear Overeem down. But again, as you mentioned, the strength was too much. The body shots kind of just looked like patty cake shots. When you look at Overeem's face, he was very calm. He was just biding his time until he could land a knee here and there. And then that sequence where he lands three to the head, drops Atlantic, and finishes with the ground and pound. So, yeah, good fight. Good win for Overeem. Not what we expected, but it was uh, it was entertaining. What more can you ask for? Yeah, to me, it's a weird thing. Overeem, he's got this weird habit, similar to Luke Rockhold. Um, when Rockhold gets backed up, he really just puts that head up in the air. And guys from David Branch to Romero, other guys have exploited that. And with Overeem, for a guy who's such a brilliant striker, too, he, I don't know, he seems almost too passive in there. And to his credit, he's not, he's a very calculated fighter. He's not a bulldozing kind of fighter. You know, come forward and just put that pressure on you like he's Justin Gaethje. But you'd think for a guy who has such a big pedigree in kickboxing that he, when you have a guy who wants to just stand and bang with you, that he wouldn't, you know, go for a little more. So I always find that shocking. And I feel like that's what allowed Olenek to have so many of these moments where he's bullying him forward. It seems like he kind of, you know, gets a clean shot in and over him. I don't want to say he was hurt, but it looked like it caught his attention. And, you know, he did feel like he had to take the defensive when Olenek started pressuring him. So it's just a very odd thing. Obviously, his record and his pedigree speak for itself. He's put down a lot of talented guys. So, you know, whatever works for him, I guess. Uh, talking about it, he called out Alexander Volkov. How do you feel about that fight in terms of what's next for Overeem in the heavyweight division? Yeah, I guess it, it does make sense because if not Volkov, then who? Um, you know, we're still waiting at the top to see what happens with DC. And so you have your 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 four through six ranked fighters kind of just playing around Robin. I mean, Overeem lost to Curtis Blades in June of last year. I guess we could see that again. But I, yeah, I do I do feel that Volkov is 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 the next one just because it is he's the he's the one he hasn't fought yet so let's just see it yeah i feel like it's one of those things also over him he's fought just about everybody besides kane velasquez so it's really hard to say you know he's gonna be in a rematch you know practically with anybody right there in that top five so that puts him in a tough spot i like the volkov fight stylistically it's one i'm still looking forward to um yeah there's just no other guy that really stands out and if i'm being honest even though overeem this is now two in a row i just don't see him as a top three guy right now uh obviously heavyweights you know the numbers and all that work a lot differently than they do in the lighter weight classes but i just feel like when you look at Nganu, dos santos um guys like that it's hard to say overeem is still just a win or two away. I think that he probably does still have some work to do to build himself into that guy who can fight a Stipe again or a Daniel Cormier. So I think that Volkov is a good fight considering that Volkov still hasn't fought uh, since losing to Derek Lewis. 
So yeah. that one makes sense all around. And it's a fun stylistic fight, like I said. Indeed. Um, a lot of good stuff. People were impressed by Roxanne Mataferi, Gustav uh, Jotko. So good action in Russia. I like it. Once again, I've said this before. I like that they're really stacking it a little earlier in the morning. It, they kind of have taken the place of the fight pass. And, you know, look, like I said, that's always great for the international markets to cater to them, especially for a fight that's not a big pay-per-view. You don't need to worry about, you know, prime time slots. So it's good. And then if you're here in America, you got you saw your MMA. And then you're able to get along with your Saturday. So it's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's nice to just, I don't say, you know, get it get it over with, like, disparagingly. But it is nice to get it over with and then have your your day and evening to do whatever you want. Or, and you can even watch more fights. There were a couple of boxing bouts on in the evening. So that was nice to just have that open. But uh, you mentioned Roxanne Monteferi. I'm glad you did because I almost forgot. That was such an interesting fight. I really thought. Shevchenko was going to come out and, and just maul her. Um, but she played it a little bit too patient at the beginning. And then when she finally turned it on, it was too late. And she didn't have an answer for Roxanne's takedown, takedowns. So great win for Roxanne, man. I mean, she's she continues to surprise me. I think everybody, you can really see how much she's improved since Ultimate Fighter. She loves what she does. And she's been around for so long, but she just doesn't give up. You know, she's still learning, still growing. I don't know what the future holds, but I am very curious to see where she uh, where she ends up, you know, at the end you, of the year. You know, Mataferi is such an odd one in MMA. She has uh, what some I once heard someone use this term like that resting freshman face. Oh, yes. Of, yes. And, you know, Misha Tate has used these words, not me specifically, but I think they fit. She just has that very meek and unassuming exterior but she is a veteran of the sport. She's been around. She's got skills. And um, just her evolution, not just as a striker, but she has been putting in work into the strength and conditioning. And I think that was the key. You know, maybe the Roxanne of a few years ago, you fight like that, Shevchenko overpowers you. She's been putting in work. And really, Shevchenko, I think, was really struggling to figure out, you know, how to slow down the onslaught, which is something that, you know, is almost like an oxymoron when you're talking about Roxanne Mataferi. So I found, you know, very impressive. And she's definitely a fighter. They don't give out awards for most improved, but she would be up there on the list, in my opinion. Yeah, But I had a absolutely. question. Sure. Uh, did you uh, text your sister after that heartbreaking loss? I saw on Twitter that you were campaigning to be an honorary <laughs> Shevchenko when they do their little uh, open workout, you know, their synchronized kickboxing. Yeah, that they do. I should have texted her, but, you know, I just like to leave her alone in these times. That's how she, that's that's how she likes to roll. does that hard work? Is that what it Yeah, is? I'll wait till she calls me. But, uh, yeah, wouldn't I love it? I mean, I have two, my own two sisters, so I'm not trying to switch families. But, gosh, they are impressive specimens, the two of them. And then, yeah, when you see them do that, that synchronized, workout routine it's like wow what like what's happening here <laughs> i've always said it's like can you imagine like who thought of it do you think valentina grabbed like antonina come on ready kick yeah one yeah two kick one like that you know i can imagine like teenage valentina getting her <laughs> little sister and you know like drill sergeant for them to come up with their routine um, I, don't get me wrong. I know it's a workout. I'm sure they've got a lot of years of doing it, but um, 
it's still cool. Just how good they make it look clean, don't they? They're perfectly synchronized. Funny. They make it look so cool. I mean, yeah, I want to jump in there. I would, I would, <laughs> I would shame myself. I would make a fool of myself. But I have the Peruvian connection, so I feel like that could help. But we'll see. <laughs> okay. Hey, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind being related to some Shevchenkos if things go south at the wedding. You have the family members getting into it. It's like, you know, call those sisters. Like, hey, handle it. I've got the bullet. I've got my the, the Pantera, yeah. Exactly. That, that's some primo genetic stock. I mean, there's no other way to, to look at it. Like, gosh almighty. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, good. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. And um, Antonina will be back. She's really tough. She's got a lot of upside. She's younger than Valentina. I think she's, she's got older. Time. Isn't she the older sister? Is she the older sister? I think she is, man. I got to double check that. Still, though, there, there's upside there. I'm not worried about either one of them. Yeah, I, That's no I think so, for sure. Yeah. Now, there isn't a lot going on in the world of MMA news. There's obviously a lot of chatter. And I don't know. I just felt like we'd be going in circles to say, well, Conor McGregor's doing his exhibition boxing. And yeah, um, Darren Till and today, those, the, the taxi. And yeah, there's just like little blurbs of of random news here and there but nothing significant i mean how do you get your hands on a taxi man <laughs> just waited for him you gotta what act they fast. Say? They waited for the guy to load the trunk and then he jumped in and took it over come on darren yeah if you're mean... gonna get yourself in trouble take a police car at least Ooh, really go for no way, it man. <laughs> go just full grand theft auto if you're gonna do that gonna darren. Do it. yeah oh <laughs> uh, okay so uh, interesting stuff even um just about an hour ago or two they talked about uh usada handed out a couple of suspensions that some people have all you know what is it sean o'malley and nico theirs have already you know the time is already up so it doesn't matter so i felt like there wouldn't be a lot to discuss there in terms of really breaking down anything so i figured let's just take our time let's talk about the fights that we do have it we had like i said bellator and ufc this is one of the few times UFC really does take a back seat. Bellator, their card easily outdoes it um, by a mile. So I think let's just get UFC and then we'll build up to the big fights of the weekend. Okay. So obviously, and we've discussed this one as, a, you know, recently with the change of opponent, Ronaldo, Jacare Souza taking on Jack Hermanson. Jacare just knocked out Chris Weidman in November campaigning to be that next uh, next for a title shot in the division jack hermanson had that great finish on david branch three fight win streak tough guy natalie how do you see the fight going so i'm i'm gonna pick jockery i i re-watched that chris weidman fight and gosh he was he was just going in like full zombie mode at at the end of it i mean he was hurt his nose was broken and he still dug deep he still found a way to finish to finish weidman to knock him out. I mean, Weidman was out cold, even though even though Dan Rigliotta made uh, made Jacare land a few more hammer fists to, uh, before he called it. But he's 39. You know, as as much of a, a specimen as a super athlete as he is, there can't be too many championship opportunities left for him. And he fights without awareness. Like he fights with like a calculated desperation. He knows this is this is his his moment now. He's got to push through. So I also really love the team he's with, those guys out of Orlando. Um, his stand-up has improved a lot. Obviously, he has that killer ground game. So I like his chances against Hermanson. You know, even though Hermanson's 
fresh. You say, you know, he's just off that victory, or tough, I should say. He's fresh off the victory against David Branch. He has really vicious ground and pound. I don't know if he'll get past past Jacare, you know, crafty veteran. I will say this, though. He has a sizable reach advantage, 77.5 inches to Jacare's 72. Maybe that plays a significant role in things, but I still think Jacare gets the win. I don't know how. Maybe maybe it goes to the decision. I, I, I can't foresee that. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that, but I'm picking Jacare. I mean, to me, uh, with the, the fight with Robert Whitaker notwithstanding, Jacare is a tough guy. And, uh, you know, why I say that is I see him fighting similar to Olenek just did on Saturday in that, you know, yeah, tall guy, big guy. He might just try to come forward, wing those overhands, make Hermanson react to the big punches coming, and then just try to change levels, do what Jacare does, clinch, get that, you know, bow constrictor grip on you, that alligator chomp, and just drag you to the ground and do what he does. I can see that working. I think that to Hermanson's credit, tough guy, he knows, you know, try to establish a jab, try to stay out of positions where Jacare can just use his size and drag you down. He's also very crafty. People um, don't realize it just because they've maybe only seen the branch fight. He's got very decent jujitsu. And I'm not saying that he's about to outgrapple Jacare for 25 minutes. But that is the difference in, you know, surviving a submission attempt and getting back to your feet and just getting, you know, something ripped off of you from the alligator. So that, to me, is the biggest takeaway for the fight. I do see this fight going more for Jacare, though. I think that, uh, I think he's going to stay aggressive. I think that he's going to be able to get in the face of Hermanson and he's going to be able to make him think about the multiple weapons. I think he's got the power that... You know, if he really wants to sit down and really load up on the punch, he's going to make Hermanson react to it. And then on the ground, we know what he does. And I think that he's going to have a game plan to put those things together. Um, Hermanson hasn't gotten out of shape. That being said, Jacare was training to fight Yoel Romero. You kind of yeah. run a little bit harder when you know you're going to have a fight like that. You kind of spar a little bit harder when you know you got a fight like that. So I think we're going to see, I think conditioning could be a big factor for Jacare in this one. So you put those things together. I think that that's really it. And like you said, the title shot too. He knows that a loss anywhere means it's never going to happen. People are already saying that now, but you know, you don't want that final nail in the coffin if you're Jacare and he knows that. All right. Uh, How do you see it uh, happening for Jacare though? Submission, knockout, decision? I think it'll either be a knockout or a decision. For some reason, I don't see. So even though he has the ground game, I don't see the submission because Hermanson is also really good down there. And he's just so strong. So I say knockout or decision. I'm going to just waffle between those two and not pick, not make a firm pick because I'm afraid. I'm going to double down then for the both of us. I said Olenek was going to get the first round submission. I'm saying this one. I think that Jacare is going to come out with purpose. He's going to be very assertive. Attack with conviction. I think he's going to get Hermanson down. And Hermanson's going to leave that one limb for Jacare to bite off. And it's going to be a victory for Jacare first round submission. Oh, I like it. Look at you. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, man. 
You come in, text me Monday morning. How about that Jacare, Gabriel? Yeah, right. Brown right. knock out her Manson. Good work. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> whatever, Natalie. <laughs> I won't rub it in, man. You're good. That's what they all say until they, <laughs> and then that moment just is too, too alluring. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So moving on to a special card in San Jose, where I think MMA Daily may or may not be represented. Alimale McFarlane versus Vita Artiega for the Women's Flyweight Championship. This one, so there's, how do I put it? Just the same way UFC likes to stack their cards, Bellator has a few. The LA card they always do, they try to do one about this time of the year. They don't compete with UFC in July. They kind of stack these throughout the year, and this is their entry. I like it, and I like that they're bringing Alima to this one. I think it shows their confidence in her to really draw and push this card over the top. But she's up against a very tough girl in Vita Artiega. How do you see this fight going? You know, I actually don't know. I mean, I don't really see it as as that tough. I, I think Alima takes this one. She has a, a, a great record, 9-0 as a pro. Eight of those wins are in Bellator. Super tough, super hungry, super talented. Her ground game is 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 really strong. I think they got to feed her somebody, and, and Vita was next in line. Um, but but I don't know, man. I mean, I don't have much to offer on that one just yet, but I don't know much about Vita. I guess that's why. So I guess it's unfair to just to just automatically assume that Lima's going to win. But that's where I am right now. What do you got? Yeah, I, I think um... – like not to beat the dead horse, you know, over again, but that really is a big part of it is that Alima is just on that run. Vita as a pro hasn't put together too many. She's got two losses, one to Bruna Ellen, um, Anastasia Yankova, who a lot of people, I used to say that um, it was going to be Anastasia and Alima. That was the fight to make, but uh, things kind of just never materialized. Um, the thing about Vita, even though she doesn't have too many fights, she's taken on some tough girls. I mean, she's beaten Brooke Mayo, who's a tough veteran, um, Emily Ducote, and then obviously the kickboxing champion in Denise. You got to give her credit. She's not intimidated by Alima. She's fought a lot of tough girls. I would argue that she has a slightly more battle-tested record than Alima uh, in terms of pre-championship. Um you could argue that Valerie Letourneau was, you know, uh, I guess I don't want to take away from her skills, but maybe not the prime, the top of the food chain Valerie Letourneau that we were used to. Yeah. Um, things like that. Alejandra Lara, you could argue very green. I would say that Vita, you know, she took out Denise when she was doing well. She took out uh, Dakota uh, before Dakota started having a tough run. I think that this one is a lot closer than people think. I think the confidence is there. I think, though, the grappling. Alima, uh, I'm not going to say she's uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, but she is very tough and very consistent about being able to get these fights to the ground. I think that that's something that, you know, people are quick to just say, well, she's still developing. Yes, but she has a great base. Her striking is improving all the time, and her grappling is really top-notch. She doesn't just know how to take you down. She knows how to stay out of trouble. She knows how to maintain top position and threaten, whether it's ground pound or submissions. I think it's that kind of pressure that gets the job done. And I think that that's what it's going to come down to. Just another gritty fight for Lima. But I think that's how she pulls it out. I don't see her 
trying to stand and trade as much with Vita. I think that Vita has seen the fights with Valerie. She's seen the fights with Alejandro Lara and that she's going to ha- come well prepared. I think that Alima is really going to have to do a grappling centric game plan for this one. Yeah, and that's totally fair. And, and I do see um, Alima Lay. I'm, I'm thinking maybe submission by round two. I think it'll be on the early side. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm looking at that one too. I think that um, she's just gonna have to break down Vita a little bit. Well, she might. I give you. I'm gonna go the third. Vita is okay. a, a tough girl, and she's fought some good girls. Considering she's only been in Bellator for a minute, but yeah, I just see Alima having the right weapons to take this one out stylistically, and uh, yeah, I just see her being well pro- and her team. People don't talk about it. She's training with Liz Carmouche. Pearl Gonzalez, a lot of tough girls there in uh, 10th Planet San Diego. So she's got quite the crew there to prepare her. Yeah, absolutely. And that like water underwater training still blows my mind. So I think that is an X factor that most other people, you know, aren't aren't utilizing, you know, water training the way she is or water training at all. I think it's a big factor. I know it's scary, isn't it? It makes me, you know, like I almost hold my breath looking at the photos. I know. That's (laughs) Alima, what are you doing? But watch, like someone tries to get like a rear naked choke on her, she just chills there until their arms gas out. It's like that's not right. <laughs> but no, um, I don't think that's how fit, the, I don't think that's how uh, what is it? Anatomy works. The, it, you know, you cut off blood, not air, but still, it's painful. Yeah, it's painful. And you know, they say like for the Navy SEALs or, or anyone special forces that has to do underwater training. They tell you to that that sensation you get where you start panicking and you feel like you're running out of air is actually you're actually not yet to the point where you're running out of air. That's just your body telling you, like, please stop whatever you're doing and get back to an oxygen rich environment. But <laughs> that if you just if you just like survive that section where you feel like you're panicking, you still have more time to go. You still got more air left. And so <laughs> that just trips me out, man. The people that have the, the that have it in them to, to test that that boundary. I don't know if the Limalay is doing anything like that, but it's still, uh, it still freaks me out. I love the water, but not that much. I was going to say, you think Coach Manolo is just there waterboarding these girls getting ready, <laughs> ready for fights? I don't know. Man. I mean, if it, hey, if it gets you wins, then, I mean, who am I to judge? But, yeah. Dang, man. <laughs> no, they, I, don't think they, I don't think they're all quite like that, but they're yeah. well prepared. Um, moving on, the welterweight division. This one, very interesting. Rory McDonald versus John Fitch. This one, they keep talking about it. Rory's title is on the line. And then I'm like, I'm going to just say it bluntly. Is it, though? I almost feel like, uh, I hate to say it, but it to me, it's almost like he's been stripped of the title. And everyone's fighting for the vacant one that is going to be there at the end of the tournament. So I want to ask you about that before we talk about X's and O's. How do you think, how do you feel about this, about them saying if John Fitch wins, he's now Bellator welterweight champion? It's weird to me. Like, it, it, it confused me when I saw the initial bracket. I was like, why isn't Rory just at the top or in the middle, I should say, just waiting for whoever makes it to him? I get that he wanted to compete, to be part of the tournament. Um, I'll go along with it. Like, you know, if, if John Fitch beats him, yeah, then he's the champion and he's going to continue through the, through the tournament and and defend his belt rather quickly at the end of it if he makes it through uh it would be kind of weird and cool to see the belt exchange hands within the tournament 
times or however many times it can before you get to the end. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I've never seen a tournament like that. Um, I think though it, it does probably put a fire under Rory because how embarrassing to lose your, your belt in a tournament in like the first round or the second, did he have to go, is it still the first round or are they already in the, yeah, they're still in the first. Yeah. So that would be really, really a bummer. Um, I don't know, man, it's weird. It's weird, but, but the tournament itself, the folks that they have lined up to compete, that's exciting, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, to me, it's, um, like I said, it, I feel like the real championship is winning the final. Uh, the belt in the middle doesn't make sense to me. Obviously, um, we saw it with Ryan Bader in January. He, got, he, he has his light heavyweight belt. He receives an identical one that's the heavyweight belt, but he also receives a third one that's the tournament champion belt. So that's the only thing I can imagine. It's so they can have that double champ looking picture at the end of the final. But, you know, it's still one of those things. Uh, the way I see it is that it's a weird thing. So to relate it to another sport, if you were to defeat the Warriors in the first round, but you don't actually win the championship, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, if John Fitch beats Rory, but he can't get past D Douglas Lima, MVP in the final, then does it really matter? It's kind of that kind of situation for me. So, yes, you would be taking out the as easily the best welterweight they have in the tournament, the number one seed, however you want to view him. But it doesn't matter unless you actually win that whole thing. So uh, weird stakes, I, you know, very bluntly, though, don't look past Rory. You know, don't think just because it's you beat Rory, it's a wrap to the finish. It, that's why these guys fight the fights. Um, talking about the fight itself, uh, John Fitch, veteran, gritty, the grappling, obviously. Rory McDonald, uh, now he's the... It used to be he was the young kid. Now he is the battle-tested guy. Um, here's a number for you. John Fitch had already challenged GSP for the title before Rory even made his UFC debut. That is how crazy this one is. Wow. How do you see this fight going down? So I'm picking Rory. Uh, and not to harp on, on age, I was already calling out Jacare for being 39. But John Fitch is 41. I'm sure he feels great. He looks fine. But, but, I, but like I said at the start of this, Rory has a lot more to lose than John Fitch, I think. It, you know, it's fair to say he had an embarrassing loss against Gegard Mousasi. I think he's going to be supremely focused, out for blood, looking to make a statement like, this is my division. I own this division. So Fitch has that smothering wrestling, but, but Rory's so well-rounded. I don't know um, how he gets it done, but I just see Rory getting his hand raised. It could go the distance. That's kind of... That's kind of where my brain keeps taking me to, but I'm not sure. I hope it's an exciting fight. You know, John Fitch has a history of being associated with with uh, grinding sort of like monotonous fights. And against Rory, someone who has that grappling and the, the, the uh, takedown defense, I hopefully he can, he can keep it standing or at least keep it exciting. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, I want, I want a good fight. I think Rory gets it. Maybe decision. Not sure. But... I don't see John Fitch winning this. I don't think he can hold Rory against the cage for five rounds. To me, the thing that um, 
for John Fitch because he's such a very good grappler, because he's so tough, he can take a lot of damage and still keep coming forward like the Terminator. The guys who have beaten John Fitch, uh, it tends to be because physically they're just kind of overpowering him. And at the end of the day, they just put pressure on him. Um, you know, look, he only has a couple Johnny Hendricks uh, before Johnny uh just for quote-unquote whatever reason, just seemed to lose that supernatural kind of knockout power. <laughs> Damian Mayo is such a grappler. Josh Berkman overpowered him. Paul Harris. It's very hard to beat John Fitch. You got to give him his credit where it's due. Yeah. That being said, I feel like Rory is faster. He's athletic too. He's going to be able to stay in his face. He's going to be able to keep the pressure on. And he works with GSP. He knows what it takes to beat this guy. He knows, you know, he's going to do this. Sprawl and brawl. Really just make it that kind of fight. Be ready for that kind of pace. The, there's no secret to John Fitch. And I feel like Rory's skills and physicality is going to be able to get the job done. I think that when you're able to, you know, step into Fitch and put the pressure on him, that's where he really starts to struggle. And not saying that Rory can just pull guard and outgrapple him, but I think that he also has the IQ and the skill set that he can defend the offense and the, I guess, just the attack of John Fitch. I see him having those capabilities, and I see him being able to put it all together. Uh, tough to put away John Fitch. I tend to say you really got to be that next-level grappler or have that punch power. Rory is great, but doesn't have one of those things necessarily. I'm going to give John Fitch credit. I think that he goes the distance, but I think this is going to be a Rory McDonald fight at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, unanimous decision. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I like how you put it that, you know, there aren't any secrets to, to John Fitch's game at this point. And you've got, you know, GSP and Faraz Sahabi back there with, with uh, Rory. So the, the minds working on the game plan are, are the highest in the game. But side note, what do you make of this, like, Faraz Sahabi PED like accusations that is hurling at John Fitch. That was kind of, that was very uh, aggressive. It, it, it did take me by surprise. You know, I, I thought about that a bit for this show and I was like, it sounds, it kind of just sounds like a coach trying to stand by his guy. I'll be honest. It sounds like he's just trying to say, you know, why are we not worried about John Fitch? And that's one of the things that came out of his mouth. That's what I thought, because it, it, it's kind of like, I mean, I, I guess. And to his credit, John Fitch admitted what was going on. Yeah. That make it right, John Fitch. But, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, what? He took steroids. He got choked out in, what, six? I think that's punishment enough. But, <laughs> you know, you tell me, what do you think? It, you know, it just caught me off guard because it's not how I, it's not something I would have expected from Faraz Sahabi. He seems so, so zen, so, you know, above the fray when it comes to this kind of talk. And so I, I did wonder, I was like, is he just trying to play mind games, you know, and get John Fitch a little bit riled up? Or does he really believe this? And I heard John Fitch on the MMA Hour dismiss it. He was like, I don't want to talk about this. You know, we know what happened, you know, my history. I don't know what this is about. Maybe it's fear. And I can understand why he would say that. If I'm John Finch, I'm thinking these guys are afraid. That, that would be my first reaction. Obviously, we don't know what the motivation is, but it's. Uh, I think 
if it makes John Fitch think even for a second that these guys are afraid, you know, it it it, it could blow up in, in in Zahabi's face, or it could blow up in Rory's face, right? Because that could motivate Fitch to to prove them wrong, to shut them up, or it could get in Fitch's head, and he might think like, okay, you know, these guys are not pulling any punches, and what are they going to bring for me in the cage? I don't know, but it was just weird. Uh, to me, uh, Fitch reminds me a bit of a Robbie Lawler. You can't trash talk; just doesn't seem to really work. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I mean, once again, power to you if it's working. But um, I don't know. I just feel like it didn't go anywhere just because it's John Fitch. And I, like I said, going back to it, I really feel like Faraz was just trying to say something to, you know, pump up, you know. Look, coaches are aware. They're part of the story, too. Your athlete going out there, people want the teams to get involved. They want you to say, I have the better fighter and I'm the better coach, and we're going to collectively be better than the great challenge in front of us. Yeah. Just like fighters can screw up on trash talk, so can coaches. And I think that <laughs> might just be a, the misstep we saw. It is entirely possible. I like that. Yeah. Um, going on, I've heard somebody might be going to San Jose in a few days. Yeah, man. Going... You... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> jinx. Yeah, I'm going to uh, going up to San Jose, flying up Thursday morning. There's a media day for, for two, Bellator 220, weigh-ins the day after that, and then the, uh, the old main event. So I'm excited. I have, um, you know, that's how we met at Bellator. What was it? Two... 18. 18? Is that the one no, at the 16 forum? Something. One of those. The one at the forum, Fader versus Bader. Yeah. That's where we met. And so that was my my uh, my first event. And uh, then we did Pachanga, the uh, Awad Gertz fight. So this will be my third Bellator event. I'm excited to be uh, excited and a little nervous to be, you know, doing one outside of LA. But we'll see. It's going to, it's a heck of a card. So it's a good one to to be testing the, uh, the NorCal waters with. So. Yeah, it was good. I went to the card. Um, they held one, I think, virtually the exact same weekend. I think it might be one weekend off to the date. But I went to their Bellator card about this time last year in San Jose. I loved it. The weather was great. The um, where they had the hotel for media. If it's in the same place, I know that it was such a lovely street right there in downtown. Um, I like the SAP arena. I thought it was a very great venue for fights. It was good. It felt like the Staples Center away from home. So I think you're in for a good time. They obviously run a great show over there. So I think you're in for a good one. I am yeah. sorry I'll be missing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, but... I'll, uh, I'll take good notes and try to get some good interviews. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed that all goes well. Yeah, you'll be great. It's going to be a good time. And, of course, guys, we will be back next week. Next week, it is UFC Ottawa, Ally Akinta, Donald Cerrone. You have to imagine guys like Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje. They're going to have their eyes on the winner of this fight. I think that it's safe to say that it's going to be – I feel like the winner of this one is in the main event somewhere, you know, down the line in a big fight. So I think that makes it a lot of fun. And, yeah, so just more good stuff. We're going to be trucking along. After that, we do have another pay-per-view with UFC 237. We'll be getting into all of that action very soon. So a lot of good MMA coming up. Until then, Natalie, have a safe trip. Where can fans find you to keep up with your San Jose adventure? 
Yeah, thanks. Um, the Twitter is Rama 5 Instagram is Rama. Check out the Straight Punch if you're so inclined. You know, got a new layout over there, so things are looking pretty good. And uh, Fight Schedule, I just put that out earlier today. So it's got the lineups for uh, Friday, Saturday fights. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll try to post some cool, uh, some cool photos from San Jose and uh, talk to you guys next week. There we go. And guys, you already know, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just fill out the word double and we'll be back next week.